In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Today, I, I, just, I just want to lean into your heart. There, we're about to read together this account where the, this wicked man who was a religious man sees the light. But then we're going to come out of that, particularly in this crowd, in this service today. I don't know if God let me lead, do as much in the second service today. But in this service, I'm going to dig a little bit about the Christian's response to all of this. So here, here we go together. Let's look in chapter 9 and verse 1. Here's what it says, but Saul. Now remember Saul was the one that, that had instigated the stoning of Stephen, one of the first seven deacons. Why, why in the world would God put a spotlight on his life? Listen to what it says. He was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. And he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way. Now, the believers were called the way because they followed Jesus as the way. Now, watch this. So I could say that I'm of the way. Men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, I think that all of us are some, in some sense go on our own way in life and occasionally we come to church or we, we do our thing and we like, oop, I got to be there. But are we on his way or are we kind of on his way and kind of on our way? Now, now, now watch what it says here. He approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. I got to tell you this, there were 42 synagogues in Damascus. And Paul had access to every one of them. And anyone in the synagogue, any Jewish person who had chosen to believe in Jesus, he was after them. You do know that you are a marked person if you're a believer. The Bible says that this light shone from heaven and he fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it possible that when you and I as believers do not live the way Jesus lived, that we are actually casting a shadow over the gospel? Could it be today that when we neglect what is God's call upon our lives, that could it be for a moment that we are the source of someone not coming to Jesus? This man was openly trying to be the source of someone not coming to Jesus. Notice what he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? Kyrios, Lord, never called Jesus that before. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. Sometimes you got to see the light so that you can see things as they really are, even when you can see nothing. Now watch what he says here. He heard the voice, but he saw no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now watch, this hateful, mean rebel is now led by the hand. Don't tell me God can't humble the hardest of the hardest. Led by the hand, and for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Do you know that the conversion story of Saul, who became Paul, is told eight times in the New Testament? That's more than, than the telling that, uh, of the feeding of the 5,000. It's double. 
Eight times that this thing that happened to Paul began to be told. And it just tells me this, that when Paul got saved, he never got over it. And I don't know if you've gotten over I hope that you never get over it. See, there's at least three groups of people in this room today. There are those of you that have figured it out in Jesus. You've surrendered your life. You live by grace through faith. You've been born again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and 10. You are his workmanship, and you love the lost and dying world, and you're doing, doing what God calls you to do. You're living the life in front of a world, but you're putting the principle into practice, and you're, you're stopping and you're sharing Jesus with people. Say, well, preacher, I'm living my life. But friend, listen to me. They cannot be saved. Pastor Rick reminded us of that in the back. Romans 10, 14. They cannot be saved without you proclaiming the word. So I'm just just telling you today, all these good things that you're doing there are important. But if, if it does not end with you sharing with them with Jesus, they're still where they are. This is important for you to get this thing together today. So there are those of you that get it. There are those of you that are, that are kind of struggling with getting it by fear, maybe by anger, by the business of your life. You hadn't figured that out yet. And then there are those of you that are just like Saul. You desperately need the light of Jesus. There's some people that, that desperately need the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to illuminate really where you are in your life. And so what I want to do today is just kind of for a moment to, to walk back through his life for a moment and give you some characteristics of things that I see from his life. And then I'm going to move right on over to what happens after to ask you, how will you respond? The first thing I see is this. He had a chosen way of life. Saul was breathing threats. This is who he was. That was the man that he was. He had chosen in his life to, to step up against Jesus. And by the way, who wouldn't? You say, wait a minute. Did you just say what I thought you just said? Who wouldn't? One author put it this way. Jesus was of Nazareth, a, a place that no one believed in. Not only that, he had died. Would, who would want to believe in a Messiah that had been crucified? Who'd want a leader that, that literally lost the world series? Who'd want, to, who'd want to believe in someone who, by the way, the Bible said in Deuteronomy 21 and 23, cursed is anyone who would hang on a tree? So if you're, if you're religious, the truth is it's harder to come to Jesus as a religious person than it is an unperson who's never, excuse me, who's ever heard the gospel. Because watch this, he was raised in religion. He, he went to a private school. Did you know that? He literally went to a private school. He sat under the feet of Gamaliel as this great leader. As a child, he, he, he conformed according to Acts 26. He completely embraced his religious views. His tradition was leading him in every way. And as a young man, he rose to the ranks and became a Pharisee. And the Pharisees taught this. Listen to this. They taught this. The law had to be completely obeyed before Messiah would come. So what they were doing with Jesus was completely of heresy. And so Paul had a commitment in his life. It was his chosen way of life. So let me ask you this. Why have you chosen the way of life you live? You say, Pastor, it was chosen for me. Now, uh, part of it was, and, but some of you in this room got strong wills. Can I get an amen? No matter what your dad said, you're going the opposite way. No matter what a friend said, you're going the opposite way. You're going to do it your way all the way to the end. So, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you're still trying to do it your way. This was, this was Paul. But secondly, he had a clear purpose. Wherever he went, it was his, it was his assignment. He believed, now listen to this, from God. To either get the Jewish believers in Jesus to recant, or he would take them in front of the trial and have them committed to, to death, and he would give his judgment that they were supposed to do that. 
Anybody in this room feel like that people are after you because you believe in Jesus? Could it be possible today? Now listen, could it be possible that the person who's hating on you and making you go, to, go through hell could actually be somebody that God has chosen to save? Could it be today possibly that you're in this room and you've got a chosen path, but, but God's got a different path for you? I would have never believed that I was called to be a pastor as a little boy, even though my mom kept shoving me toward that. I would have never believed that, that I would be with you and, and being involved in the community of, of believers. But, but man, now that I'm in the community of believers all these many years, Miss Catherine, I can't ever imagine life apart from that. But some of us live our entire lives, and even many of us as believers, once we become believers, and never step in what God's true purpose was. Write this reference down, Galatians 1, 13 through 16. Here's what Paul said. I'm reading from that passage. He said, given his testament, for you heard of my former life in Judaism, I persecuted the church of God. I was violent. I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond my own countrymen to the eight. I was so zealous for God that I went farther than my fathers did. <clears throat> but when he who had set me apart before I was born, before I was born, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I wrote this down. God had to conquer the Saul in Saul before Saul could see his purpose. I think that's you, isn't it? A seven-year-old boy, God had to conquer me in salvation. But as a 21-year-old boy, God had to conquer me in sanctification. Some of you, may, he may have conquered you that you have, you have prayed the prayer, but as he conquered you in sanctification, are you clearly living your vocational calling out as a Christian who's led by God to be an active witness for him no matter what you face? Some of us have written people off. We've written them off and we just don't want anything to do. Some of you don't want anything to do with people. Or when you are, you're, you're negative and discouraging and defeating and you put them down. Can I tell you this? A lost person knows they're lost even though they don't know the terminology. If a man smells, I think he knows he smells whether you have to put it on Facebook or not. I really do. If a guy has got one eye out, I think he knows it. He may not understand it theologically, but he knows it. And today I want to tell you this, that God has chosen that in the midst of this wicked and broken world, that you and I would be these lights for him. I sang this morning out of my hymn book, Send the, send the Light, the Blessed Gospel Light. And so I want to tell you this, that God redeemed you not to keep it silent. He redeemed you for the purpose of your life that whatever trial and tribulation that you're going through, for these many years, Sherry and I have been trying just across the road to reach out to our friends across the road, and they'd never been in our house until the tragedy Thursday. And yesterday, for two hours, the young couple and that, that staying at that home sat in our home. You see, you know, and I'm sitting there, and Kentucky's playing football, and I think they won. You say, why do you think they won? Because we had it muted, and for that two hours, we were with them. When was the last time that you, you just said, God, this is my purpose? When I visit the funeral home to ask that family member, if it had been you, where would you be in eternity? It is your purpose when, when you have to fire someone or you're, you're working with them, that you're, Catherine, when you're giving birth, when you're helping them give birth to their baby as you do 
as you love on that family, as you pray for them, as you tell them about Jesus Christ. Friends, listen to me. That's living out your purpose. It's not that, the, that, that you, you're gifted as a mechanic and you're supposed to sell everything and go be an IT person because it ain't going to fit. But you're to be a mechanic for Jesus. And I just want to encourage you today that you have a purpose from God. And Saul had a purpose, a clear purpose, but he, he didn't know what it was, but God conquered him. And then thirdly, Saul had a moment of crisis of belief, did he not? Have you had your moment of belief yet, crisis? Those of us that were saved at seven, not much of a crisis of belief. Brother Danny, I wasn't smoking dope at seven. I hadn't had an affair at seven. I had not been out in the drug culture at seven. I mean, I didn't even know their word were drugs. My parents didn't even want us to take Tylenol as kids. I didn't. But I knew that I was going to hell, and my crisis of belief was this. I knew that if I died that day, I would go out into eternity lost, and there was a Savior who came from heaven. And he gave his life for me. And my children's church teacher told me that day, Keith, you need a Savior. I didn't understand it all, but as much as I understood, I said, God, be my Savior. See, this man, though, he was older and he had a crisis of belief. In Acts 26, he stands before King Agrippa and he tells him the story. So in Acts 26 and 9, here's, you may want to turn there or just listen. Acts 26 and 9, here's what the Bible says. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Anybody else ignorant without God before? Me and Jared were, weren't we, Jared, before the Lord came into our lives. He said, I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. Now, listen to this. In raging fury against them, I persecuted them to even the foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed, Acts 26 and 12, to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests at midday, O king. Now, what's that at hide at midday? You scientists in the room, the sun. The sun. At midday, I saw on the, a light from heaven, it was brighter than the sun. And it shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. The truth of the matter was that Paul was fighting the very God that he needed. You see, we live in a world today that, as Bucky Kennedy said in a devotion weeks and weeks ago, he said, we live in a world today where churches have got it kind of confused. And in a few weeks, I'll mirror what, we're getting ready, what I'm about to tell you about. He said this, that, that many churches are willing to pay for people to go all over the world and reach, preach the gospel. But they wouldn't even share it with their family member because they're at odds with them. See, one of the things we try to do here is that we really do not want to take you overseas if you're not practicing it here. Why would we do that? I mean, why, why would we? You say, well, I, I just believe if you take them somewhere they see the world, they get right with God and come on better servants. That happens about one out of a thousand. But you take someone who's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and they go and their lives are radical, even more changed. I'm so glad that we're in a church of people that our crisis of belief came in that moment that at midday, a light shone from heaven, shone around us. It is the glory of God. Have you seen him yet? Sometimes we just say, 
Keith Joseph led me to Jesus. Or Mr. Lisa led me when I was in children's church. Or so-and-so led me. Daniel Peavy shared the gospel. I got saved as a student. How often do you hear someone say, I met Jesus. I don't know why we lose that joy. We lose that joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. We somehow or another get trapped that we've got to win them to us. Friend, listen to me. I can win all of you to me. I know how to do it. I used to sit in a barber's chair, and whoever was in the barber's chair, that's, that's what kind of person he was. If you were a Democrat, you were in a barber's chair, guess what he talked about? The Democrats in the good light. If you were a Republican, he did that. If you were independent, I don't care who you were. He, Ronnie was his name, and, and Ronnie was just whatever he was. We know how to do that. But friend, let me tell you, until they meet Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And so my journey this year has been this with more than maybe anything else, is that I'm just saying, God, let me lean in and forget not the benefits of who you are, Psalm 103. And so I just want to encourage you today that as he was on his road at midday, he saw this light and, and all around him, verse 14, fell to the ground and they heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God stepped into his life. Spurgeon put it this way, God was chipping away at Saul. Are you God's chipper? <laughs> Some of y'all go home and get that. I'm God's chipper. So what do you mean? I'm chipping this little piece off of you and that little piece off of you, getting you ready by the way that I live and move. Well, watch this, when I pay my taxes honestly, when I obey the speed limit. When I, when I go into the grocery store, and I'm, yesterday, I, I, it, was my, it was our food pantry day, and so that is my day. I always remember to go across. Hey, by the way, guys in the room, Ingalls gets new flowers every Friday, so I go in on Saturday morning so they're still fresh. So when I get Sherry flowers, then they can last for a week or two weeks. You say, what would you do to her? I love her. You can say I'm sissy if you want to. You won't get the kiss I get when I leave here today. It's whatever you want to say about it. But I was in there yesterday, and, and, and I, usually, Allison, I usually go, go through that quick checkout deal on my own because I, I know how to do that. And there was a lady standing behind the counter. She had nobody. And the Spirit of the Lord said, Keith, are you, are you in such a hurry? Are you in such a hurry that you can't just take a moment and go through her line? And I went through her line and was able to share with her. Thank you, God, for crisis moments. A sister yesterday in the line here as we were praying through the line, uh, I waited to Brother Michael and got there. I got about 30 minutes all I got to pray with people because I had so many that didn't need me. Y'all don't need me, Michael. Y'all are so much better at it than I am. So I asked her how I could pray for her, and she said, pray for me because my husband had a major stroke. And I did rehab with him, and, the, and we had to put him in the nursing home. But she said, she said sir, if I'd have left him in there, he would have died. She said he can't take nursing home. He couldn't take the screams and the hollers. And she said, I don't know if I did the right thing or not, but I brought him home. I reached out and put my hand on her hand. What a hero. What a hero of faith. And I said, ma'am, do you go to church anywhere? She said, I sure do. And she told me the church that she goes to. I said, I know your pastor well. I said, is he ministering to you? Are they ministering to you? She said, somebody from that church every week brings over food to our house. 
You see, that's a crisis of belief when somebody else stepped up. And I'm just believing that when this church member goes over there to feed them, maybe a lost family member will be there and they'll get saved. See, that's a crisis moment of belief. This light shone into his life. Jesus was real and Saul was fighting a losing battle. So I want to ask you today, who is the Lord? Are you persecuting anybody? Are you fighting against the God who loves you and wants to change your life today? Are you fighting that? The big deal is this. Paul had lived in ignorance and Jesus came for ignorant people. Nobody amen that, but I will. Are you hating the ignorant today? Are you? Are you hating the one across the aisle from you? God overlooks the time of ignorance, Acts 17, 30, and he calls people to be saved. So Saul was chosen. He had a clear purpose. He had a crisis of belief. And I love this. Saul embraced the calling of God on his life. The Bible says here in Acts 22 and 10 in Paul's testimony there that Paul, I said, what should I do, Lord? The same thing that a Philippian jailer would ask him and he would say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. See, in that moment, he was not, look on the screen, I want you to see this. In Acts 26, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient. God said, save, you need to be saved. He said, yes. When was your day? I still look to the day when I came to know Christ, but my greater day was when the Lord said, give me everything, Keith. At the age of 21 was the greater day for me. When I was no longer disobedient to the clear call of God upon my life. At Jackson First Baptist Church, you have given me the privilege of a lifetime to serve you these years, and I pray there are many more. But can I tell you this, that this privilege of a lifetime comes with great accountability to whom much is given, much is required. And so there he was. He was not disobedient. The scripture is so clear. If you go back to Acts 9 and 16, it says, Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you this purpose, to appoint you as a servant, to witness, to go into the world, verse 17 of Acts 9, to, to deliver, or excuse me, in Acts 26, to deliver you from the Gentiles. The work that Paul was about to do would be an amazing work. But do you know Jackson First Baptist Church? Because Paul walked wherever he went. That you and I, Danny Smith, in one service can minister to more people in one service than he did in a lifetime. Through that camera that your girl is looking through right now. Do you know that if you and I just give our lives to, to all that he's calling us to do, that we can do exactly what Paul did? you know what Paul did? When Paul ministered, Brother Michael, blindness left people. When he preached, bondage is ended. When he preached, brokenness of sin and regret were forgiven. When he preached, people were birthed into a new purpose. And I just want to tell you this today, that God is doing that same thing in your life. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you and I to be different. So here, here's the application. Number one is this. Will you be ready to be used by God? Will you get ready today to be used by God? See, what does that look like? I, I want you to go actually to now Acts chapter 9. I'll get my scripture right in Acts 9. Look with me in verse 10. In verse 9 and verse 10, it says, but in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, look with me there. There was a disciple at Damascus, a disciple, that's a saved person was at Damascus, his name was Ananias. And the scripture says, the Lord said to him in a vision. 
Has God ever spoken to you? Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, just like Abraham. That's what Abraham said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. I can hear Mama Betty right now saying to me, if I was in Washington, D.C. right now on a grid, and I said, I'm on this street, she could tell me where to go. That, the Holy Spirit's stronger than that. He knows exactly who's crying out to him in the moment. He knows the sex trafficker who is crying out for help in India or is crying out in Cambodia where my daughter's getting ready to go on a trip. He, he knows it wherever you may be. He knows it in Locust Grove. He knows it in Jackson who's going to go by the cleaners. He knows exactly who's hurting as much as you are. And he calls out to people. Go to the street called Straight at the house of just Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. Wow. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Isaiah said it this way, Lord, who will go for us and who will you send? We're not talking globally right now. We're talking about the global church in Jackson, Butts County and surrounding. But Ananias answered, Lord, let me get my shoes on. I'm ready. Lord, I need to take a shower, then I'm, I'm gone. No. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to you and your saints at Jerusalem, and he has authority from the chief priest to bind, bind all who call on your name. Wow. That's reality, isn't it? Can I tell you this? Not only be ready to be used by God, but work through your issues. Souls are at stake. I don't know what your issues are. Some of you in the room may get this. I just want to read it verbatim. Get this in your mind. The kid who is always on your nerves on Wednesday afternoon is being called. The guy whose music across the street eats your lunch is being called. The person whose political views pull your chain and cause you to get all upset is being called. The student who persecutes you and takes every shot at you they can is being called. And you and I have to work through some things. You may be an in-law that has hated you and treated you and given you no reason in the world to even speak to them or love on them. But can I tell you of this? There was nothing in Keith Joseph that was worthy of Jesus Christ coming. I was a rebel against him, but he cared so much for me that he died. But Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love to me, and while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. See, here's, here's what I'm afraid is happening right now. You're feeling, you know when you feel convicted and, and somebody's beating on you, you know how you just kind of get like this, right? This is no good in that. What I'm trying to do today is to awaken you to a conviction, not to, not to just a burden. A burden can only be lifted at Calvary. But I'm just trying to show you today that what you're, you need to work through is not worth not working through. Does that make sense? Does that make sense what I just said, hon? Does that, that make Because what you're not working through, it's not worth it not to work through it. But Rick, it's not worth it to not work through it. It may be a coworker you had 20 years ago that God just suddenly put on your mind. That he put on your mind and you just, you just don't want to do it. It may be somebody that's coming here to church right now and you just don't like them. And, 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 you just, yeah, and the truth is, every time you're around them, you just put them down. You just, you, you just blood is boiling up. You see, enemies can become brothers or sisters when they get saved. I was in Ananias' shoes. I suspect 
Catherine, that Ananias' name was probably in Paul's bag. He was probably one of the ones. Some believe that Ananias' parents had already been killed by Paul as a terrorist in a previous attempt down in Damascus. Would you be willing for the sake of their soul to eat that and to forgive that? 17,500 people in Butts County are lost. And most of them have never encountered someone who just eats it and says, for the sake of the gospel, I'll put everything aside. Miss Debbie asked me to pray for something. You remember which, a couple weeks ago? I've prayed every day. You ought to get people around you. Now watch this. To believe with all your heart that enemies can become brothers. And you know what you then you ought to do? You ought to partner with those who see the light. I, I, I just want to say this in conclusion. You need to partner. The Bible says here, notice what the Lord said to him in verse 15. Just look at the beauty of this. For he has chosen an instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer. So Ananias departed, and he entered the house. Can you see it? I, I, I'm going to come off a platform. If you can follow, can you follow me off the platform? I'm going to get over here. I'm going to go over to Mike. Mike, let's just say your brother, you are you are Saul. Ananias walked over to this man who was sitting there blind, and he put his hands on him, and he said, "Brother Saul, today I want you to respond to this Jesus." And simply do this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.